Welcome to the Two Mutts Podcast, presented by BioSteel. I'm your host, Joshua Marshall. Welcome back to the Two Months Podcast presented by BioSteel. I'm your host, Joshua Marshall, and fellas and Mutz fans, we finally got it. We teased it for a bit here and finally got the sheriff on the pod. Uh, he is a uh, former NHL draft pick of the Buffalo Sabres in 2000. He went on to play uh, a long, great career in pro hockey. Um, and he, and, and as we say, you know, we had our, our boy, Randy Bradford on too. And, uh, you know, we went and played in the NHL as well. So, uh, any game you play in the NHL is a privilege. And, uh, so we have our friend, Sean McMorrow. Sean, how's it going? Woo. It's going great, buddy. I yeah. mean, I am so excited to be on your show, buddy. We had a couple attempts, like you mentioned. Yes. And, as we were talking before the recording, and I think it's cool for the viewers and listeners to hear this, buddy. Yeah. As we were saying before the recording, even though we weren't able to connect the way we wanted to, we both had to reschedule. During that time, I thought that our friendship got got better. Yes. And, yes. And, yeah. Yeah. And we had some great conversations. Yeah, and we we even did. Yeah. We didn't do the show. Yeah, we were still there for each other, as you were saying before we hit record. Is you know we're, we connected and we're still there for each other, and and uh, you know it's just uh, and a lot of it times as we know, like we kind of talked about our mental health and like how important it is for us us males. There you go, you got your shirt there, and yeah, yeah so <laughs> the sheriff, he's the man, man. Um, <laughs> so I guess for you, like you know, I, like I like to do these podcasts to help with my mental health. Um, you're knee, you're knee deep into your podcast. Um, for the listeners that may not know, can you talk about what your podcast is about, why you started it, how you started it, how it's been going since you started it, and and talk about some of the amazing guests that you've had on before we kind of jump into your career? Yeah, for sure, buddy. Well, well first off, I, I want to thank you for asking because um, the Sheriff Podcast is probably the coolest thing that I've done personally. Um, I've gotten incredible help from a lot of people. Um, my brother-in-law, Danny Granger, yeah. AKA Danny Granger art. Um, he has produced probably about 90% of the shows and he has been a huge help with the social media, the advertising, so on and so forth. So I had to point that out because he's been just as big a part of this as I have, um, to this point. Um, so I'm smiling right now, buddy, because you're asking me a cool question. Well, I have always been interested in the media side of the game. I think that my first year pro when, you know, when I saw the way that, and I'm sure that he's a big, a big, um, you're a big fan of his too, but Rob Ray from the Buffalo Sabres. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I idolized this guy growing up, even though I was a Leaf fan growing up in Toronto, you know, I would see Razor come into town, really give it to Domi about half the times. They had a pretty even series. Yeah. And I admired the guy. I thought it was incredible because Rob Ray was really the only guy that Ty really kind of had trouble with. Like they went back. Ty, they killed everybody. Yes. Right. So Razor was that guy that I looked up to. Then when I got drafted, I know we're not supposed to go into the career, but when I got drafted by the Sabres, I really started paying attention to him. And he is probably the biggest community guy in NHL history. He won awards 
And, and I want to say another thing. When I mention the word award, I'm not talking about the glorification. I'm talking about the recognition of what people do and, and the work that they put in. Yes. He won awards every single year for community service. And there was one night at a conditioning camp in the summer where I was able to witness an award ceremony in Buffalo where Rob Ray was being honored for all the things that he did in the community. And it was a year after I was drafted. I was probably a year away from signing my entry level. But it was at that moment, brother, where I decided that I want to be like this guy. I want to be a community guy. I want to be, I want to do the off ice events and that type of mentality. Once I finished turned into me wanting to do a show, a podcast, just like I'm doing now. Yeah. And so Rob Ray has been a huge influence in my life and my career. That's awesome. So how many, you know, conversations have you had with him that, you know, that helped you with that mentorship, not only, you know, when it comes to, you know, playing the role that you did play, but also, you know, talking about the community initiative stuff, because anyone that follows your account and you do have a lot of followers, there's a lot of mentorship going on in your, in your world where you're giving back to the game, where the game gave back to you. But, um, we'll, and we'll get into that, but how much did Rob Ray help you with that in your career? So, you know, the term lead by example. Yes. I think that that's probably the best way to describe it. Just the way that Razor did his career. Now, mind you, when I was drafted by the Buffalo Sabres, he was number one in the depth chart for my position, right? So I always looked up to him that way. I I knew I was never going to take his job because by the time I got there, he was probably going to be close to retirement, which was the case when Andrew Peters made the team. Yeah. Right. It, it was him and Bolton and, and Razor was gone. So Razor, the interactions that I've had with him have been hilarious because he was the guy that was the jokester on the team. He would give you that serious look, but he was but he was just kidding around. And, and, and you know what I mean? A lot of the tough oh, guys yeah. kind of had that role. So did Eric Bolton. They were the guys that kept the dressing room alive and would really kind of tease guys, give them a hard time. But it's only because they liked them and he was just keeping everything loose. So now imagine I'm six foot four, 225 pounds. That's my, that's my playing weight. Okay. Hockey DB type yeah, of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. When I was, when I was 18, 19 drafted, going to conditioning camps, going to training camps, but not even signed yet. I was probably a buck 80, a buck 90, wow. but still six foot four. Yeah. So I'm yeah. a tall, skinny guy, right? Rob Ray is the opposite of that. Yeah. So when he would see me in the dressing room, oh man, it was so funny the things he would say to me. I I knew that he liked me just because I was, you know, an up and coming tough guy. He probably appreciated the character players just like he was, right? Yes. But he would say stuff to me like, "Did did does Big Bird want his legs back? Like the skinny <laughs> yeah. long legs?" Because and, and then he would say something like, "He'd go like, hey McMorrow, um." Did you work on your calves at all this summer? Just the dynamics of it. Guys would do fake laughs, even if they didn't think Razor's jokes were funny, just because yeah. it was Razor. Yeah. But it was always pretty funny, man. And I I, he, I looked up to him. I didn't mind the teasing because, you know, people that, that tease you, it's only because they like you, right? That's what I tell the young guys now. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it has to be that way, right? It's, uh, you know, especially with the world, the world's changing now. It's a lot of times you don't know what to say because it could come across the wrong way. But, you know, usually if you're in a good group of guys, you know, they can give you some good banter back and forth for sure. And, you know, yeah. I saw firsthand last night, I'm a, I'm a diehard Leafs fan and I live in enemy territory and don't my, my group chats that I'm in and messages was going crazy when the Oilers won last night. And it's, you know, as long as you don't cross that personal line, it's all, all respect and stuff like that. And I've gotten to a point, I don't know where you're at with this. Like I, I have this tough time in the podcast world, um, you know, like being critical of players and a lot of it more now is because like Robbie shrimp just came out the other day about talking about some of the people that hurt him during his career with some of the comments you played the game. Like, how was that for you when, when there was comments made and and now you're in the kind of the media side of it, is there, do you got to kind of walk the line uh, sheriff and, and like, how do you do walk that line? But how did that impact you? If things were said during your career too? Yeah. So now, and that's a great question too. Yeah. Um, 
the best way to approach this is now I want to make it clear. I'm not entering a race card thing here. This is just me being the type of player that I was and the size that I was. Okay. So now starting from the OHL, I got it hard, not only from fans in the stands, not only from the visiting commentators, the visiting commentators are hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Like guys like me that, you know, played like a few hundred games pro and whatever, you know what I mean? Like we got fights on YouTube and, you know, sometimes you get bored and you just, you know, you're just in a YouTube uh, like glaze and you start looking at videos and you hear the way that the visiting like um, announcers and like back in the day, man, they had no shame, man. They would say some pretty like, mean things sometimes but now being the guy that fights for my team and then me playing those five and a half seasons in the ahl you know fans aren't gonna like me on other teams because yeah. i'm the guy that 80 percent of the time beat up their toughest guy correct right so it came with the territory but i got it a lot man starting with the london knights yeah. i remember in london I got criticized so badly because Mark Hunter was known as a tough guy coach that was that just loved goons. And now he's getting big, bad McMorrow. He's only there to fight. He's not even playing. He just gets the tap and it's not fair. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I'm, I'm 17 years old, man. And I'm hearing all this stuff. I just want to play like 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 I didn't mind the fighting because it, it gave me an opportunity. It gave me attention. But I was a 17 year old kid that played AAA his whole life at the top level. Like I was a solid defenseman as a kid. And now I have to play this role, but I'm getting criticized and people are not liking me and they're swearing at me and pointing at me. And I'm 17 years old, like, yeah. right? I'm not even out of high school. So I got that really young. And I think it helped me in my pro career because even when like some race stuff would pop up, I think I was stronger having thicker skin because I was that tough guy as a teenager and had to take all that rhetoric from the visiting people, right? The Two Months Podcast is presented by BioStill. Use promo code TWOMONTHSPOD25, that's TWOMONTHSPOD25, all capitals, to get 25% off your order at checkout when you go to BioStill.ca. Also, the Two Months Podcast is presented by SeatGeek. Use promo code Two months pod, all capitals. That's two months pod to get twenty dollars off your purchase at checkout. Yeah, no, it's very interesting. It's in, you know, in, in the era like you're you're only three years older than me, and and uh, so you know, and we kind of. I would guess ten. Yeah, 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 no, I'm 38. So if you're going hockey DB, I guess you're for 41. <laughs> so um, you know, sometimes hockey DB could uh, could uh, throw a few different wrinkles in the in the armor there. But uh, uh, and I guess for there and, ho- and talking about that, we'll kind of get into your career now. And um, obviously, it says you're born in Vancouver, but you played all your junior hockey out east. Uh, so did you, were you? Did you guys as a family just move, you know, as you're at a young age back to like move out east? Like how did all that work for you to play born in Vancouver, but to play junior hockey in Ontario? No, no, no. Thank you for asking. So this is usually the intro to my chatting with the sheriff mentoring sessions because I have to like introduce myself. Right. So um, I was born in, in Vancouver, British Columbia. And then when I was six years old, my parents actually split up and all the kids in my family, there's four of us, we were all born in Vancouver. And then when I was, again, when I was six years old, we moved to Toronto because that's where my mom's family was all from. Um, my parents had moved out to Vancouver as a young couple because there was a lot of job opportunities, but they, they both came from the Ontario area. So yeah. my mom decided to come back home and, and, and we all lived with her. So we were, we were a single parent family till I was 13 years old when my mom remarried. Um, but that was the reason for the move from from the West Coast to Toronto. Yeah, and uh, born so I was born in Vancouver, but raised in Scarborough. Nice, nice. And then um, you know, so you know, your as the junior career starts, um, you know, playing minor hockey in Ontario. Uh, you know, what was that experience like? I know, kind of, we touched on a bit there, but you know. Did you ever think in during that minor hockey run that, you know, playing in the OHL was ever going to be a thing? It, you know, like it's a pretty 
it's a pretty great honor to, to, you know, play in one of the best junior leagues in the world too. And then obviously not only to get drafted, but to play in the NHL as well, but talking about, you know, playing in junior, junior hockey in Ontario and what that was like, because obviously you have so much competition, right? So there's, yeah. there's more people there yeah. than there is anywhere else in Canada. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, at, at, like, okay. So when I was growing up, there was a big emphasis on size Size really mattered when I was a kid. Yeah, and it did because I have we have some friends that are with us that were really undersized and but really skilled that played junior hockey but but never got a sniff to the NHL. Yeah, yeah, or junior or you know in other leagues like maybe the AHL is where they got to, but you know they were have like like Chris St. Jocks, like one of my good friends, and he had over ninety points. He played with great players in in Medicine Hat. Just could never, 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 got get, never got a sniff in the NHL, but he was a player, man. But we're, we're yeah. Not, yeah. So, you know, going so, to kind of that so do, yeah. now because I was all like every single year, except for like maybe a couple seasons in minor hockey, we had this one guy named Joey Mack that was just like the biggest guy in the Toronto league. But I was always like the biggest guy on my team. I, I was a big stay at home defenseman, had a good shot from the point, made a good first pass, right? Yes. I skate better backwards than I do forward, man. I'm I'm telling you. Yeah. I'm a, That's pretty, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty hard to have that, right? So yeah. Yeah. So back again, back then, it was kind of weird. It was like if you were big and tougher, you were going the OHL route. Yeah. But if you were small and skilled, you were better off going the NCAA route. That was the mindset of the parents and the coaches back in the day. So now the the, the OHL is some of the skilled players in the world. I'm just saying like at the point when the kids and the parents are trying to decide which route they should go, it was it was like brainwashed in our minds that if we were a bigger player, it was just in our best interest to go to the OHL because yeah. you know that was more our style and and all that type of stuff. So I always thought I was going to go to the OHL. And when I got the chance to play for the Pickering Panthers, which is the Ontario Provincial Junior Hockey League, um, I got really lucky, man. And I got on a really good team. Uh, they put me like on the top four, like I was in the top two pairings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they also, they also, um, that was the first year that I was given the opportunity to play the role. Yeah. He didn't have a guy, bro. And here I am 16 years old, already six foot four thinking I'm like really tough, you know, at that age, everyone's yeah. really like, yeah. arrogant. If you're at like kind of the top level at hockey, you know what yeah. I mean? You have that oh, little yeah. extra confidence, right? And pretty much they were like, we heard that you can, that, that you do pretty well. If you want that role, there's a spot for you, right? So my first couple games, brother, nothing really happened. I think it was my third game. I got into a scrap. I was 1-0. Third or fourth game, second scrap, 2-0. Third scrap, 3-0. Fourth scrap, 4-0. You see the pattern. I just was really good at it. Yeah. And now I had this crazy confidence because I'm winning all these fights. I never, I never really fought before. I was always a big kid, but I'm like, I was more of a gentle giant. I didn't really know it was in me until that year. Yeah. And that's yeah. when everything changed. That, yeah. So well, who's your big fight against your first ever big fight in the Ontario hockey league? Who was the biggest guy you ever fought in the first, your first big one that you were like, wow, this is, this is what I'm in for now. So my first, the first fight in, in uh, like I got drafted to Sarnia, Mark Hunter, and then the Hunters ended up trading me and getting me in London. Right. Yeah. So Mark Hunter had me on defense. He had a couple tough guys up front, but I was like the young tough guy. We played Plymouth, Plymouth Whalers. First game of the season, James Ramsey, Southpaw played in Plymouth. He ended up getting traded to Sarnia, I think his overage year, but James Ramsey, I believe he's from Ottawa. And I also believe that he's currently a police officer. Yeah, no way. That's awesome. Yeah. But he was a really tough guy in the O. Um, I fought everybody, bro, to be honest, but Johnny Erskine was in his 19 year old season, my rookie year, him and Andrew Peters were kind of like the top guys, right? Johnny Erskine was in London. They were playing in the ice house. And he, I ended up fighting him my rookie year. 
it's on YouTube and man, yeah. was I ever lucky you didn't get my helmet off. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, it, it, I, I think it's a good, like, you know, it, it's a tough job to have for sure. Um, you know, and, and there's a lot of, you know, in my eyes, like, you know, we're seeing it now in the game, like it's, it's slowly, slowly, you know, dying out, but I still think there's a very importance with it. Like even last night, like someone from an NHL organization called me and they're like, we're still not done. You know, we, we got to add, like we're, we're too soft to play against. There's some scores to settle from last year that we have later in the year. And, you know, we can't, you know, can't go, you know, those games without setting a message. And it's just like, they're talking to me goosebumps, bro. You're giving me goosebumps. Yeah, it's a, but I, like, I love it. Cause like, that's the way I was right. Like, you yeah. know, it was, I, but I was that idiot. Like, I don't know, but I played that in rec hockey, you know, where you really can't fight, but like I, if someone did something to my teammate, I went and settled that score for them, you know? And like, yeah. if someone played me the wrong way, in a way of like dirtiness or whatnot, I would go settle that score. I would never really go out and look for it. Um, yeah. Usually like I'm just the guy, like if you got me going, then that's, that's the wrong way to go, go with it. Right. So, um, you know, and like we saw on the weekend, right. Like Luch versus McDermott and Luch has been on our pod and he's been a big, big guy for us, helping us get our, get our feet going. And, you know, I think he's still the toughest in the game and, and maybe the best in the game, you know, yeah. but it'll be interesting on the weekend here if, if he's still part of the Flames. And if he is, if, you know, him and Ryan Reeves fight because Ryan Reeves is, is good too. And those two guys have never fought before. So we'll see what happens there. Oh, really? Yeah, they've really? never fought before. Which wow. uh, was on with John Scott and he said, John Scott straight up asked him and he goes, would you fight Ryan Reeves? And he's like, I've never said no to a challenge. So if, you know, if, uh, if Ryan Reeves challenges them, there might be a go a go there, right? Come on, Weaver. Challenge yeah, exactly. the guy. We all want to see it. We all, all want to see it, right? Send so, a message early on, yeah. man. And they got – I think they play <laughs> each other, like – they play in Calgary, and then I think next following week they play in Minnesota. So there's there's That's a chance. Cool. They play each other twice there. There's a chance that something could happen. But, uh, you know <laughs> – so talk about like so you get drafted. How how was that draft day? Where were you? Um, who called you? Um, you know how excited were you when you got that phone call and you got drafted by the Buffalo Sabers? Another great question, my man. So my agent at the time was a gentleman by the name of Mike Gillis, legend in the game. Yeah, yeah. The same Mike Gillis that was GM of the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, right. Had um had the um. You know, like, like there's a long history with Mike Gillis, very powerful, successful man. Um, but he had a rule and his rule was unless you were rated in the first three rounds, you weren't going to the draft. You just weren't going. And the reason for that was he had experiences of a guy like myself that was rated in the seventh round in North America. So there was a good chance that the guy wasn't going to get picked. Yeah. And he had players in the past that were rated later like me, you know, didn't get picked. And it really killed their confidence. And, and and some of them, it ruined their career. Just that humiliation of inviting 20 family members and flying them to your draft and then not getting picked. Like, it's it, it hits kids when they're 18 really hard if that happens to them. Yeah. So a lot of agents, I think, do this now. My agent had, the, had that way back in 2000. And was ahead of the time so, in, in a way for sure. Yeah. So he told me, he said, you know, stay at home, have a barbecue, stay by the phone and have your fingers crossed. Yeah. So, so that's what I did. And so I had a, I had a great day um, in, in the house that I'm in right now. Cause I, I always do my, my, if I do a zoom show, I come to my mom's house and do it in Scarborough. Okay. Perfect. So all my other shows are downtown in the studio. Yeah. So we were here. Had the barbecue. Um, the internet was 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 kind of iffy at that time, so it was a little bit delayed. And I remember when it got to like the sixth round, I was thinking, man, it's already two, three rounds behind. The draft must be over, like, because it was it was a nine round draft. Yeah. So sure enough, about five minutes later, phone rings. They're like, yeah, Sean, answer. <laughs> answer the phone. So it was Don Luce, who was the director of player personnel at the time, longtime Buffalo Sabre legend yeah. in upstate New York. Yeah. Um, he called me, said, Sean, this is Don Luce. 
Um, congratulations. Um, our general manager, Darcy Rakir, selected you in the eighth round. Um, we're going to call you back in like 10 minutes with the details, whatever, whatever. So I'm like, oh, thank you very much, sir. Thank you, sir. You know what I mean? And then everyone's yeah. like, ah, right. So, so yeah. it was, it was the eighth round, 258th overall, <laughs> but, but I got picked. So no, you got picked. Yeah. No, not many people can say that. This public service announcement is brought to you by our friends at CDN. Here's a crazy thought. Not all teamwear needs a team logo. Stand out in the crowd and rep your team colors with one of CDN's hockey hats. Listen, these hats are phenomenal. We just got ours a little while ago and we've been wearing them nonstop. You know when you find a hat you love and you just can't take it off? Yep, that's how we feel with our CDN hat. Every time we wear it out, we get asked, where did you get that hat? I know what you're thinking. How can I get one? Cue the details. Shop online 24-7 at www.wearecdn.ca and use the promo code 2MUTS for 15% off your order. Again, that's www.wearecdn.ca to get your new favorite hat and use the discount code 2MUTS at checkout for 15% off your order. Now back to the show. Man, you taught you brought up a legend there, Darcy Regeer, man. What uh what a legend, oh, yeah. man. Like yeah. how much did he mean to you? Like, I don't know how much dealings you had with him, but man, what it what like he was so great for that organization in my eyes. Like, I don't know, I'm from yeah. afar, but like hit like obviously Lindy Ruff too, but talk about Darcy as a general manager person and what he meant to you. So Darcy, probably one of the smartest people that I've ever met. Yeah. Um, the guy had really good swag, man. He's really cool. You know, people that are confident like me and you, like I find that people get a little bit weird when you, when you give other people compliments and stuff, right? There's no need for that. No. It's always good to compliment, right? Yeah. Darcy Regeer, I'm telling you, man, this guy had a swag like no one else. He'd walk around like he just, it, it was like he had like a, like a shield around him. You know what I mean? Like, like, like he was a very confident guy. His mission statement or, or whatever you want to call it was you were lucky to be here. We are an incredible organization. Mm -hmm. We're going to make you the best person possible. You're going to have to sacrifice for this to happen. And what he would do is because my agent, Mike Welcome, probably my best agent that I've ever had, mm -hmm. nicknamed Sugar from Jerry Maguire, <laughs> yeah, that character. Yeah, 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 for that? yeah. So he was nicknamed that just because just jokingly, he'd sometimes do that. But overall, he was great. Um, he was a local Buffalo guy. He was also representing Eric Bolton. So okay. me and Bolt had the same agent in training camp. So, of course, um, you know, we were all targeted in on Razor and Andrew Peters, right? Because my agent wanted us to be the two guys. But back to Darcy Regeer, your question. Darcy would have a bulletin board in his office. And he would put like pins and he would have guys like, like Drury, Afinaganov, um, you know, all the top guys. And then he would have it down like this and it would go down, it would go down, and it would go down and it would be like a pyramid. Yeah. So guys like Rob Ray, Sean McMorrow, Andrew Peters, we were down here. It didn't mean we didn't mean as much to the team, but it was all about the money. The yep. money all had to add up on order for them to survive. Yes. So when you hear stories about, like, I can't believe I'm having a brain freeze here. Mike Pekka. Yeah. Mike Pekka, when he got traded to the Islanders, it was because of a contract dispute that was only $200,000 off. They were $200,000 away. But Darcy, going by this thing that he followed, in his mind, if he didn't follow it, then they wouldn't be successful. So no. he was either all in or not in at all. Yeah. And even a guy like Mike Pekka, man, being that close, he said, Nope, we're going to trade you. We're going to get, we're going to get Tim Connolly, Taylor Pyatt and draft picks. Yeah. And that's what happened. Yeah. And but, that happened here in Edmonton with Ryan Smith too. It was $200,000 too. Are you, right? Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. So Ryan Smith, his, that's why he got traded to the Islanders as well. Cause it was, oh. it was over $200,000 and it came down to like, the right last day on the, on obviously tomorrow's trade deadline day. And it came on right yeah. down to that day. And 
you know, it just, you, you couldn't come up with it. And it was tough. Cause like he was crying at the airport and everything. And obviously wow. he came back to the organization after and, and finished his career here. But yeah, it was, it was, that was tough, man. But, but sorry, I interrupted you there on a good no, story. No, yeah. Hey man, I'm, but, I'm a big fan too. So I yeah. love hearing that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, uh, but, 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 but let me tell you this one Darcy story just before we yeah. move on. So entry levels are three years. When you come out a major junior, your entry level is three years. If you come out of the NCAA, the entry level is two years, unless it's changed in the last couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. So now, being three years, my third year was the lockout year. My third year was my best season, man. The, the, the hockey gods weren't nice to me. My best year in the AHL, there was no NHL. So not only did I win most improved player because I had – Three yeah. goals, three assists, six points, 300 penalty minutes, w- w- was was reliable in my own end, chipped the puck out. Randy Cunningworth and the coaching staff, they voted me most improved player. Yeah. And, and that was such an honor, bro. Such an honor coming from like zero goals and one assist my first year. You know, you can look yeah. at my stats. Yeah. That yeah. third year, I won that award. And I really believe that I would have got some time up with Buffalo. Like even if it was like five or 10 games, yes. I, I would have been so honored to do that. Right. But, but you know, whatever, it just, it didn't work out. But the point is, is that when my contract was over, having one most improved player being top five in majors and penalty minutes, all three years leading the league, my first year, I believe that I deserved a raise. Mm-hmm. So here I am and my agent. So here I am being an eighth round pick. At that time, this is 20 years ago, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm making $50,000 in the AHL. 50, 55, 60. That was my entry level. Yeah. The NHL money was like 500, 550, 600. Yes. Yeah. So I, all I wanted was a $10,000 raise. I just believed that I should go from 60 to 70. Darcy, when you're in that category, they called it the, the, the group two screw because all the NHL team would have to do is send you a qualifying offer, which would now get your rights for that fourth year. They could offer you a a one-year deal, which they did for me, but they could offer you the same money that you made the last year. So so Darcy said to my agent, we're offering McMorrow a a contract. It's a one-year deal, but it's the same money as his third season. My agent said, no, he deserves he need, he, he deserves a raise. He's yeah. been doing really good for you guys. He's a top prospect, blah, 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 all, all the stuff they say. Yeah. Darcy said he could take it or leave it. Remember that thing yeah. that he's got? Yeah. Right? Yes, yeah, yeah. So, so this is what Darcy said. Darcy said, I will allow Sean to come in. To, it was HSBC Arena at the time. Yeah. Come into the, to the rink, come and see me in my office, and, and he can he can tell me, like how he feels about this or whatever. So, so my agent's like, look, he's giving you an opportunity to go in there and, and to just tell him that you're willing to work hard, improve your game. You just feel that you deserve a little bit of a raise. You're trying to, you have goals. Like, you know what I mean? You yeah. just, just tell him. So I went in there, went in there. Hey, Darcy, you know, it was a great meeting. I told him all the stuff that my agent suggested. You know, we shook hands. I walked out, but a half an hour, I called my agent. I'm driving back to Rochester. I go, hey, did you talk to Darcy? He said, yeah, you guys had a great meeting, but he's not budging on the contract. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, Darcy. Whatever. Yeah. To be making 50000 US when you're tw- when you're 23 years old, 20 years ago, was okay. So yeah. it, it ended up being fine. But Darcy sticks to his guns all the way to the end. Yeah, yeah. You, and it, in the kind of way you have to in that market that you were – you were in right with no, with the salary cap, not being a salary cap and teams are spending to whatever they want. And you're only to a set budget where teams are just having that. Uh, yeah, I know it's interesting for sure. So then, uh, you know, talk about the game that you play in the NHL for Buffalo. Um, was it at home? Was it on the road? Who is it against? Uh, you know, I know that no one wants to take the fight. So it looks on hockey DB. You don't got any penalty minutes in that game, but um <laughs> And I and I and I say this in a, in a great way, so please take it in a good way. I, Elliot yeah. Friedman says this. Elliot Friedman says a lot, and I know you're friends with Elliot too. And and he's been, I think he's been on your pod maybe once or twice before. I don't know, but uh, he made a guest appearance when Mike Fudo was on. Okay, okay. At um, bottom line, at the studio. Nice, nice. Um, but Elliot always says, just to play one game in the NHL says a lot about you as a whole person. And, my, and one of my good friends, Brendan Radford, he's over overseas now, but he played in, that's Bill Radford's nephew. And he played one game too, but he, 
he looks at that as such a great moment. He doesn't look at it in, in, in any which bad in a bad way and all. But you know, how important was it for you? And how do you talk about that moment to the kids that you meet too? Just to say, you know, if it's one game or multiple games, um, you know, how, how did that mean to you? And where was it? Who'd you who'd you guys play against? Well, thank you for asking again because this yeah. is like this is a big, a really big part of my story, and I yeah. and, and I'll give you the reasons why right now. So. When I was, and I'll be a little quicker than the other one. Oh, no, no, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> no, I'd like to go yeah. on a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I got the Terry Ryan factor. Yeah. <laughs> so, Terry Ryan's a character too. So. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. So, so um, when I was growing up, my Saturday night routine, if I didn't have a game or practice myself, would be to walk over to my grandparents' house, which is about a five-minute walk, mm-hmm. and watch Monkey Night in Canada. Because we're in Toronto, it would be the Toronto Maple Leafs against whoever. And then you get the West Coast game after. So that was my routine. That's how I grew up. That was my culture. Okay. So now when I was in Rochester, it's my first year pro. And Randy Cunnyworth is my coach, my favorite coach of all time. And Randy had to play the role a little bit when he played. So he kind of had like a little bit kind of gave the tough guys a little bit more attention because he knew what it was like. He was kind of that third line centerman had to fight once in a while. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so he liked me is what I'm trying to say. So he was pretty, pretty, probably pretty excited to do this because he's the one that told me that I got the call and it was after practice, which I would say more than half of the news when the player gets the, the message that he's been called up. It's usually after practice that they wait and they pull you aside, let you know, and, tell you how much time you have until you have to get the hell out of there. So at the same time, it's not uncommon for fourth liners to have to bag skate a little bit or do some extra drills after practice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Cuddy practice finishes. Cuddy's like, Mac, come on. And he's like in the far end. Right. So my first thought was, Oh man, I'm a little bit tired, man. We're going to do some quick feet drills or something. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. Start skating over. But then I see that he's kind of starting to act a little bit weird. Like it's like he's preparing himself. I'm like, what is going on here? Am I in trouble? Yeah. I'm trying to think. Of, is there anything I've done the last week that maybe could have backfired? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, and so I'm thinking all this. I'm really confused. So I come up, and then Cunny's like leaning on his stick, and he's got this smirk on his face, and he's like, "Mac, you got the call. You're going to the show." Leaning on his stick with the yeah. smirk on his face, I'll never forget it. Yeah, and and I'll, I'm like, I just I remember it clearly right now. So he tells me that, and like you know, so my reaction, brother, was like, like I was like, like you get like this, like the feeling when you go down a roller coaster, like so. There's that, and then and then I was like, really? I'm like, when? Right? He's like, well, you're playing Saturday night against the Toronto Maple Leafs. In Toronto, Hockey Night in Canada. Wow. That's how I grew up. Yeah. 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 So it was a really, really big deal. The team, the way the game was going to be. Yeah. You know, the coverage, all that, right? For a guy like me that grew up in Scarborough, a suburb of Toronto. So I got called up on, I think it was on Thursday after practice. I had to check into the Marriott Hotel Thursday night in Buffalo, just off the Miller sport highway there. And then Friday we practice. So I practiced with the team on Friday. And then we, even though we're in the NHL, we took a coach bus cause it was just right up the QEW to Toronto. Yeah. So yeah. The day before checked into the, uh, the, the, the Weston Harbor castle, uh, which is the hotel that all the visiting teams would stay in at the time. Just, a, just two minute walk from the rink. Uh, Curtis Brown was my roommate. Curtis Brown played a little bit in San Jose, Buffalo. Yeah. yeah. He's actually a born again Christian turned into at the end of his career. Nice. Um, great guy. Obviously came a born again Christian. He was very positive and yeah, you know, yeah, no, Do you know Chris awesome. Brownie at all? I don't, but I know, like, I obviously I got to see his career and I got to see him, uh, you know, just this past weekend with the, with the Patrick Marlowe or Jersey retirement. He was on the oh, podcast. I watched it. I was, I was, uh, I was a wreck. I was, I'm an emotional guy. So like, I just, and I'm Kelly Rudy, such a, such a dear friend. And, uh, 
he's helped me with my mental health struggles. So kind of seeing him and then talking to him and uh, my texts with him and, and all that. And just, I've never met uh, Curtis Brown, but I've obviously, you know, followed the game a lot. And, you know, and as a Leaf fan, you know, Buffalo was always that rival in a way. And as you're talking about it, I'm like, I think I remember this game when you played now, uh, you know, cause I knew about you back in the day, you know, like, um, you know, and I didn't know, like, you know, you know, of guys and you're kind of just, you're following them. And I was always, I was always raised in the way to, I appreciated more like the, the third and fourth line grinders, the, the four, five, six defensemen. Cause like all the big guys, like, like, you know, Doug Gilmore is my favorite player of all time, but I, the only time I ever got starstruck is when uh, Mike uh, Johnson actually came into my uncle's bar couple of years ago, well, it's been 10 years ago now, and I got starstruck. Like, we had the whole Blackhawks team. We had the whole uh, LA Kings team. We had so many NHL teams come through, like the Tays, the Canes, the Kopitars, all the King guys, like, you know, all like Bernberger. But I got starstruck when I saw Mike Johnson because I was more, you know, I cared about the, like, the third and fourth line guys because sometimes they don't get all the cred, right? You know, like, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. So, my career kind of gravitated out and I like Alan McCauley and Mike Johnson. So those are the kind of the guys that, that were big, big, big for me as a Leaf fan growing up. And then, uh, you know, but it's just like, it's so awesome to kind of hear your story and your journey and how it all is. But that's such a, you know, I'm happy you got that moment. And I don't know if there's anything more you want to share before we finish up on, on uh, the, our last topic, but is there anything you want to add to that, that game and that moment for you? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the other interesting story with that game is now you got to remember the year. So this is March 22nd, 2003. This was shortly after um, the U S finally decided to invade Iraq. Okay. Yeah. So now the weekend before my call up, there was like, I guess it was very recent that the U S did it. If we all remember the U S wasn't very popular at that time, people were upset. Canada didn't support them. So on and so forth. The Montreal Canadian fans, the weekend before I got called up, um, notoriously are remembered for booing the U S anthem. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what happened was U S anthem came on, boo, you know, we're not happy with the war, boo. Yeah. Right. So now that whole week, CBC, all these news outlets are criticizing the Montreal Canadiens fans saying, you know what, Don Cherry's all over it, saying, you know, your, your buddy gets in a fight in a bar, you back him up, doesn't matter if he's right or wrong, all that type of stuff, right? So there was all these controversy and all debate. So now, what was what was a little set up behind the scenes was that the next weekend, to make up for the Montreal Canadian fans booing, March 22nd, 2003, the game that Sean McMorrow gets called up for, there's going to be an extra loud cheer for all the anthems, right? <laughs> yeah. So now, so now the U.S. anthem comes on. The place goes absolutely insane. I'm standing there. My first NHL game, I'm 21 years old. I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm at the Air Canada Center. This is crazy. Uh, the yeah. place is nuts. I'm very emotional. I got some tears going. Yeah. You know what I mean? Canadian anthem now comes on. place gets even louder. It was just rocking. The house was rocking. Buffalo was out of the playoffs. Toronto was in the playoffs. It was a 3-2 game. There was absolutely nothing extracurricular in that game. Yeah, I, I lined up beside Domi, one of my shifts, said, buddy, I've been watching you my whole life. Will you give me a shot? He just looked at me. There was no like stuff before that in the game, so there was no reason for anything. I was just yeah. doing it just to get, just to get Domi yeah. on my record. And, and he just goes, this is what he said to me. So he's lined up. He's like, kid, you got to make the team from the start of the year if you want to fight a guy like me. <laughs> and I completely understand. Yeah, yeah. I would have said that to a rookie that got called up from the coast to the American League. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, so you're saying it back. Yeah. Yeah, dude. So I get it. If I had ran, ran someone right in front of him, he probably would have done it. Yeah, but there was yeah. no reason for him to do it. Not he's that. not going to risk fighting some rookie that just got called up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, so, most, and I think you still see that now in the, in the game where most oh, yeah. of those guys aren't right. So you got to work your way to the champ. Yes, you do. You can't just walk <laughs> in and get the champ. That's not how it works. We interrupt the Too Much podcast to bring you some breaking news. Manscape now sells beard products. That's right. They are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with the brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. From a fresh shave 
to a beard trim, the technology behind the Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shape your signature beard look. Now you can finally use Manscaped products to make your drapes match your carpet by going to manscaped.com and using code 2MUTS for 20% off and free shipping. Listen, I'm a real lazy guy. I hate shaving every day. Ask my wife. I leave thousands and thousands of little stubble in the sink. It's time to tame your mane. No one likes a weird beard. Say goodbye to all your stubble trouble with Manscaped's Pro Beard Kit. It all starts with the Beard Hedger. This thing is a juggernaut of fixin' faces. First off, this cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths all with one guard. So no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. That's right. Face grooming does not need to be hard. Get 20 different beard lengths in just one guard. Plus, it's waterproof, so you can please your wife and shave in the shower to avoid all that hair in the sink. The titanium-coated T-blade is tough on hair but smooth on your face, leading to single-stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. This kit does not end there, though. They have created four dermatologist-tested formulations for your post-trim care. First, beard shampoo and conditioner, then beard oil, and finally, beard balm. The Pro Beard Kit also comes with three free gifts, a beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code 2MUTS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code 2MUTS. Manscaped, beard hedger, one stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. The 2MUTS podcast is brought to you by Free Bars, and Free Bars are arguably the best tasting energy bar. You might have heard Free Bars on the podcast before, and maybe you've tried them at Edmonton's most popular farmer's markets. Free Bars focus on three main things for their bars. One, Free Bars are free of priority allergens, including peanuts, nuts, dairy, eggs, gluten, and soy. Second, Free Bars taste great. I was talking to Luke, the man behind Free Bars, and the comments they get while sampling is always positive. Everyone loves how they taste. Three, they are full of healthy and whole ingredients, nothing artificial and no preservatives. Free bars are made right here in Edmonton and they are quickly popping up in stores around the city. Free bars use a mixture of hemp hearts, honey and gluten-free oats as their base. And then there are the three flavors, chocolate chip, mint chocolate chip and the popular coconut. Free bars list of ingredients is short. Like in the coconut, there's just hemp hearts, honey, gluten-free oats, shredded coconut, and coconut oil. That's it. As school gets back into the swing of things and hockey season starts, parents and kids are bringing free bars to the rink as a healthy, delicious snack. Want to try? Listeners of this podcast will get 20% off with the promo code 2MUTS. That's one word, 2MUTS, and the discount will be applied at checkout. Learn more about free bars by visiting us at Strathcona's Farmer's Market, Bountiful Farmer's Market, and St. Albert Farmer's Market, or online at freebars.ca. Want to pick it up at the store? Check out freebars.ca for a full list of our realtors. Don't forget the promo code, two months, and have arguably the best tasting energy bar today. That's free bars. We'll finish up on this. Uh, obviously, we just had Black History Month, and uh, you know the importance of 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 that, and and how the game is growing. You know, uh, Anthony Stewart's been on, and we have Sean Bell has been on with us, and you know, and and what Anthony's doing with hockey equality. Uh, you know, Sean Bell, he's got seven hockey here in Edmonton. Uh, he's doing amazing things, growing the game in that way. Um, you know, talk about, you know, the importance of having minorities in the back in the, in the game, um, trying to get that number up higher than what it is now at all levels of hockey. And then also most importantly at the NHL level, but you know, some of the guys that maybe you've come across with, uh, you know, and what they've meant to you, the mentors you've had along your, your career, 
to help you get to where you've been been to today and then how you're helping mentor those the next generations uh, of athletes yeah for sure another incredible question brother you're on fire so in my opinion buddy the biggest problem with our game is that it's not accessible to every demographic okay Correct. yeah and you know i hate to say it because I'm a hockey guy through and through, but in general, hockey is an elitist sport where only people that are somewhat wealthy can afford to play. And the odd kid might get help from his team or a family member and be able to scrape through. But 90% of those teams, those double A teams, those triple A teams, all those teams are families that have enough money to play. Yeah. So that's what the problem is. So now I didn't know that you had ACE through on your show. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. Hockey yeah. Equality, which is an incredible program ran by Anthony Stewart and Shante Eastman Stewart. Yes. His wife. Um, I'm very proud of them. I'm also equally as proud um, as being a part of Seaside Hockey, which I just started being a part of it in September. Seaside Hockey, similar to Hockey Equality, similar to the HDA, is a program that has gotten grants from the government that offers low-income kids free equipment, free registration, and encouragement from people that look like of all types of races. Yeah. Now, this is the second year that Seaside's been in existence. When I heard about it last year, I remember calling Kirk Brooks, who's the founder, and saying, hey, Kirk, what's up? You know, I'd like to come out. I like what you're doing. I see what you're doing. I'm liking it. Can I come out? And he'd be like, yeah. And then, you know, something would come up and I just wasn't able to go. I promised myself next year, I want to start there from the beginning. I want to be a part of this. They do it at two arenas in Scarborough where I started my house leaks. These kids, man. Are, didn't play hockey in August. They started in September. They'd never played before. Didn't even know what it was, some yeah. of them. Brand new equipment, brother, from head to toe. Wow. I couldn't even imagine, couldn't even imagine having that opportunity when I was a kid. I When I see these kids with brand new skates, like they're kids' skates, right? They're new yeah. skates. And, yeah. you know, they're not as expensive as the adult, yeah. but still. It's so awesome that they get this opportunity. So now I'm not really sure because I'm not part of the, all the admin. I am, I am part of the staff. Um, I am one of the top instructors. I really try to help with the social media. I have a lot of stuff. If you go through my social media, um, you'll see a lot of seaside stuff. We have really cool track seats that we finally just got. Um, but just like how Anthony was explaining to you, yeah. I'm doing that with seaside. Right. That's and so we're amazing. actually yeah. affiliated with hockey equality. We actually have their logo on our on our hockey bags. Nice. So Kirk and yeah, Kirk yeah. and Anthony have a pretty cool partnership. Yeah. And Seaside and Hockey Equality, it, it it's organizations like this that are really gonna solve all of hockey's problems. And I'll tell you what, this is one of the last things that I'll say about this. This is how people have to think about it. Like I was saying before, I know some people are going to cringe a little bit when, when I said that, but it's true. They know that it's true. They, do, they know yeah. how much they've spent playing this game. They know that a person that they went to school with that comes from a poorer family would not be able to do that. No. The registration for the GTHL, for the team that I played for, the Don Mills Flyers AAA team, is $14,000 for registration. And that's today, oh, 2023. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you got two kids? Yeah. Yeah. $28,000. So yes. um, a single mom that makes 40 grand a year, which is a respectable salary. It's not possible. No. It's not happening. You're not allowed to play because your mom doesn't make enough money. Yeah. Now there might be the odd chance that someone helps them out, but do those players have to be as good as Anthony and Chris Stewart? Probably. Yeah. How often does that happen? It doesn't. Doesn't. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it happens once. And I mean, Anthony and Chris Stewart, two kids that went that that came from that that came from the humblest beginnings, both to be first rounders, both to make the NHL. That's how good they had to be 
for all these families to help them out. I'm sure Anthony talked about it quite a bit. He, he did. He did. And there's people that right. helped him out where he wants yeah. to help other people. But, out, right? but why did they help him out? Because yeah. he was the best player in his age group yeah. in Toronto. Yeah. Right. And because he was so talented and such a special kid that people were like, we got to help this guy, man. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like if we didn't, it'd be a travesty. Right. And, and, and my mom did the same. My brother, Patrick, is in 1985, just like Anthony. They played on the same AAA team growing up. We lived in very pretty close quarters. Yeah. And my family's very close to the Stewarts. I'm so proud of all the Stewarts. Oh, they're Shante, amazing. amazing. Yeah. yeah, amazing yeah. people. Um, no, I, I think... Well, topic a bit. Yeah, no, no, I don't th- I think it's a great topic, too. Mm-hmm. It's an important one. I don't think at times we have it enough. Um, you know, like, I, I, I know... You know, we sit here and, you know, like obviously the NHL game is dominated by, by you know, uh, white people and, you know, and, and just that kind of like it's the old hockey, hockey culture. And, you know, and I had a friend that was just going down, you know, some like scouting notes and they're like just pictures. And it's just like, you know, and she had said she's she's like, how come how come the game doesn't have more people? of minority backgrounds. I and mean, you're seeing a little bit more, obviously the black, uh, the, you know, the, the Vancouver Canucks have hired more people in, you know, like of, of some women and some other organizations are, are adding more of it, you know, along the way here, here and there. But, um, you know, I think there's more. And I think like guys like PK Subban, who has done so much for the game on the ice. Now he can do so much game. Now he's retired and he can do so much more now that he has a little bit more time off the ice. And like, obviously we've seen Anthony Stewart and doing that and his brothers helped out when he can. And, you yep. know, I just remember like even before as he was, cause I was talking to him when this was just getting started and he didn't really have the funding and, you know, it's like him and his brother paying the ice rinks out of pocket. And it's like, how much money is just to rent ice, man? It's crazy. And it's, you know, we're in Canada here. So I think it's yeah. important to have the conversation. I, 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 this is something I really want to have with you. Um, you know, there's more. And what's so great about these conversations, there's so much more to, to have down the road. And I can't wait to have you back on again because it gives us more. Like, we didn't get into everything I wanted to get into because you told so many great stories. But it leaves us, the, leaves us, the fans wanting more, to get you back on to hear more. Yeah. And I too. We will do part two for sure. So we should do it before the playoffs start. Once all these teams are kind of in, we'll maybe, uh, you know, do get back into your career, but then maybe break down some playoff stuff. Once all these teams have made their trades and, and all that. And some of the junior kids come up and see how that works. But I honestly, Sheriff, I can't thank you enough for, for the time that you gave us today. And I don't know if anything you want to add final comments before we uh, sign out today. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I want to say one thing is that, um, you, my friend, you have got really good at this. You've got really good at this. And, and I'm just going to give you a couple of reasons why. Okay. I feel incredibly comfortable. Okay. I didn't feel unsure for any of the questions that you asked me. So that is a skill and something that you've had to build on. Um, and honestly, buddy, I really haven't had this much fun in a really long time. You do an incredible job. I'm so thankful for you to have me on. Your, your viewers and your listeners are very lucky, man. If they're subscribed, which they should be yeah. to you, they're very lucky, man, because this is very good content. You've got to keep up the good work, right? Thank you. Thank you. And for fans to follow you, where can they get the Sheriff Podcast? We're, we'll sit, we'll obviously we'll put it in our show notes, the links, but uh, if you can talk about all the different platforms and how you guys uh, do your podcast. I know sometimes you do a lot of them live, so where can people yeah. find that? Right on. So the Sheriff Podcast is on all platforms. Uh, we do have a YouTube channel, the Sheriff Podcast, Instagram page, the Sheriff Podcast, Facebook page, the Sheriff Podcast, and Twitter, the Sheriff Podcast. Yes, so you, all, that. Uh, all you have to—that's all you have to type in—is the Sheriff Podcast. You'll get it all. We're on Spotify, Apple Music, Anchor, every platform, anywhere where you can listen to the podcast. Just type in the Sheriff Podcast. Subscribe. Our YouTube channel is pretty cool. I got a new music video. That was released in the last couple posts on the on the YouTube channel. So check that out. It's got some pretty good content by Brett Williams. Perfect. Awesome. Uh, uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, it was our pleasure to have you on. And uh, all the best to you and, and the fam going forward. And uh, looking forward to some more, uh, some great conversations that we have down the road here. And uh, again, uh, stick taps for you. And, you know, the same to you, man. You're doing a hell of a thing. Uh, you inspire a lot of people. 
Um, you know, I love watching your motivational videos that you do and, and the mentorship videos you do. And we'll, I know there's so much we had here, but uh, we'll definitely get into more in your career the next time we get you on here and maybe the next month for sure. So thanks. Uh, Anytime, whenever you ask, I'm on. Your show yeah. is awesome. And I just want to thank everybody for listening. And woo, signing off, right? Right. We're out. Yeah, Builders Collab is just a, uh, you know, it's a group of entrepreneurs, marketplace leaders that uh, we host. It's, uh, you know, anybody that's, uh, you know, the Christian faith who is in marketplace, we help equip, train, lead, you know, help you grow in business, things like that. So if you're ever interested, go to uh, on Instagram at, at Builders Collab, look us up, give us a follow and, uh, you know, see what's happening. For sure. And uh, yeah, we have a new sponsor joining us uh, here, uh, Rev. Uh, you have a company, uh, you and your partner have a company here and you guys are going to be jumping on this season with us for the rest of the year. I don't know if you want to give that a plug uh, now or if you want to wait till next episode, but uh, 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 I'll, you know what, I'll give it, I'll give a teaser. I'll call it, uh, I'll let you, let you all in on uh, bronze metal. If there's anything that you need, metal wise, metal roof, metal siding, we'll even step into vinyl you know, and asphalt shingles, if there's anything that you need to improve the exterior of your home, barn, or a commercial building, give us a call or give me a follow at AJ Pats or at bronze metal underscore. Perfect. Perfect. All right. And uh, 